Hey everybody, good morning. Evan here today with a fascinating discussion with a company I've been dying to know more about, InfoBip. Ivan from InfoBip, how are you? Hi, I'm very good. How are you? Well, thanks for joining. I know you're traveling in India right now in a hotel, so hopefully the Wi-Fi will hold out for us. But perhaps before we dive in, perhaps introduce yourself and a little bit about the core mission at InfoBip. Yeah, so I'm Ivan, Chief Business Officer of InfoBip. I have brought Remit from strategy through go-to-market uh, marketing partnership developer experience. And um, I've been you know, a technologist in my heart uh, for a number of years. I think uh, what attracted me to InfoBip and you know, our overall mission is really to democratize future of digital interactions between businesses and people. Uh, through breakthrough innovation. So we've been innovators um, and brought many trends from A2P messaging to um, novel engagement tools, enabling businesses uh, to chat with their customers like they would chat with friends and now enabling to, them to drive conversational transformation uh, with the tools that we have. And I wow, think one it? curiosity maybe for many listeners, InfoBip, actually we bootstrapped the company to billion-dollar revenue with no external investment. And then we started further expansion in the United States. So um, pretty unique story, but that's probably for another call. <laughs> I don't know. That is a fascinating story. I, I think our viewers would be shocked and intrigued to, to hear that. Let's give a little context. We have a quick video on your YouTube channel. I'll play it. By the way, you have a fantastic YouTube channel. I'm surprised more brands don't do more with, with YouTube. But let, let's take a look and I'll get your, your feedback here. Wow, that, that's something else. So, so tell us how do you how do you orchestrate these these conversations? Tell us about the platform and the the capability we're looking at behind the scenes there. Yeah, so um, maybe re also reflecting um, to this video. So uh, there is one interesting KPI that we tracked as InfoBip, and that's how many mobile devices in the world have we touched through our services. Mm. I mean, we are not B two C company, so we didn't touch them directly. Um, but uh, through through other customers that use uh, use us. So in principle, last year was two thirds of all mobile devices in the world wow. that were touched by our, our services. And the reason why we talk about interactions and not communication is because we are doing things like conversational commerce. So you can, it's not just like streaming messages, but actually people can buy things in their chat app or et cetera. So in order to enable that customer experience layer and conversational uh, channels, we have relatively complex, uh, what we call full stack platform. And every communication and interaction uh, is relying on a powerful infrastructure. So that's where we start. 
We are grounded in infrastructure and strong engineering. We have um, more than 850 direct connections with telcos, which means that we terminate our communication in these telcos. Um, but also we have hardware there so we can expose their network APIs, meaning providing more functionalities like looking if the number exists, phone number, as well as uh, some hardware to protect uh, those networks from uh, spam and fraudulent message. Then in that infrastructure layer, there are also, uh, uh, we run 42 data centers, 40 are on our private cloud, and two are a result of our partnership with MS Azure. And this provides high reliability, a high redundancy um, of our services because communication has to be uninterrupted every second and we are managing extremely large volumes. And then our partners, chat app providers, they also feed their infrastructure through our infrastructure to the customer. So that's an infrastructure layer. That is kind of a base of the house. And then the house goes on. So then we have a channel layer, I'll explain. We have a platform layer and we have customer engagement layer. And then we have our ecosystem layer or um, what we call like exchange. So let me just in three minutes drive you through these other layers. So the channel layer is where, 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 where various companies can simply access channels to communicate to their customers. And we have more than 30 channels that are truly natively integrated. So it's channels like SMS, MMS, voice, Mm. email, video, uh, live chat, web push, app push, and then chat apps. So like uh, WhatsApp, Apple Messages for Business, which is like iMessage for Business, Google um, RBM, so Google RCS Messages for Business, Viber, Line, Kakao, Zalo, et cetera, et cetera. And then also social media messengers like Instagram Messenger and Facebook Messenger. All of these are available through API. So if uh, that's why we say democratizing future of interactions. So if any business wants to talk to their customer through a messaging or other channel uh, anywhere in the world, because we're truly global in one platform, so everything is integrated, uh, all they need to do is to integrate our API of that channel or their actually unified API that unifies multiple channel under it. And then they can, with a little registration, depending on the rules of the channel, they can start sending. And that's true from a you know, little store down the road to actually major corporations. So that's kind of democratization. And then um, that's in the channel layer. So, and people can just use our channels. They don't use need to use anything else. However, on top of that house, we still have a platform layer. And what we mean by platform, that's a, we just launched CPASX. That's a set of modular API because a lot of our customers are B2B2C companies. Take yeah. something like marketing automation and so forth. So they're onboarding hundreds of businesses and they need to provision to these businesses, channels, analytics, security. So what they do in this our platform layer, th- this is built for them. So they can automate their work. So in principle, they can register uh, businesses using API because normally this is kind of manual process, but we have an API for that. It can reduce their engineering time. We also have failover and orchestration algorithms. So if you, know, you try to send a RCS to a consumer and platform detects that the message was not delivered, we can fail over to another channel to make sure critical communication reaches on time. We have um, security, so we have a product that detect that detects um, artificial um, or fraudulent attempts to um, access the traffic, 
And then um, we also have analytics, right? So you can track your campaigns, the customer journey and the messaging channels and so forth and expose it to your customers. So that's the kind of the third, if you remember, I said infrastructure channels platform, and then comes the customer engagement layer. This is in principle conversational engagement because we enable two-way communication, mainly in the messaging channels between businesses and people. So we have a, a customer data platform that we don't sell as a customer data platform, but it's part of the stack that enable businesses to see, um, uh, you know, real-time communication with their uh, consumers. Um, and they can then work with this data to create segments, to create rules and so forth. Then we have a conversational marketing automation tool that works in conjunction with other marketing automation tools that enable people that are not skilled in programming to create customer journeys in various channels that we have that are natively integrated. Um, and then we also have something we call conversations, which is our conversational uh, contact, a cloud contact center, where actually we enable um, consumers to approach businesses for support through conversational channels. So instead of calling, they can start chatting and then, you know, we can put chatbot up front to automate um, the interactions and we can escalate to an agent chatting or an agent calling. And with this, you know, we enable conversational support. And then finally, we have our bot building frameworks that um, uh, can uh, enable people to build generative AI bots, uh, rule-based bots, or intent-based bots. And then our exchanges where our partner expose their APIs. So when people are building customer journeys in conversational channels, they can easily, you know, plug and play other APIs that would comp that would create richer journeys. So for example, if you're creating a booking flow in something like mm. WhatsApp for a tourist agency, maybe you need an insurance. So you can pull an insurance API into that flow from our exchange. So, so that's in principle like pretty rich stack. But they, as you can see, the, the goal of that stack is really to enable this kind of two-way conversation um, between businesses and people and further kind of digital transformation. All our engagement tools are getting major AI uplift now so, for example, from our CDP, you could create customer segments by chatting to it, and then you know it can spell out the program can or the software can spell out um, uh, uh, segments. For example, using generative AI and other tools. So, anyway, long story short, um, as you can see, a lot of tools, but one goal: <laughs> enabling yeah, conversational future. One goal indeed, and that's a fantastically rich set of capabilities. Um, Let's talk about how you work with customers. Obviously, you're partnering uh, with the telcos, but you're also supporting businesses and developers directly of all sorts. So how do you support those folks and how do you go to market really? Yeah, so in principle, we have kind of, let's call it three major go-to-markets on a very conceptual level. So we have our, um, of course, direct sales force, and that's where also Gartner recognizes, us. Um, you know, in our industry, they recognize three mega providers. Uh, we are one of the three, and then we are the only one uh, which uh, is recognized for its co-creation model. So we have a set of conversational UI consultants, for example, implementation consultants, and very large network of partners. So our typical customers are large either platforms or um, meaning B2B2C platforms or large enterprises. And then we sort of um, you know, sit with these customers, understand their problem, and co-create solution together using our stack. So that's kind of direct uh, go-to-market. The second one is, we call it digitally enabled. So we also serve mid-market 
Um, in principle, we have a good, let's say, growth engine, and then there are uh, squads or people who are serving in market with various prepackaged solutions. And then finally, we have a relatively um, uh, fast-growing self-service where we are now exposing all the tools, channels plus engagement tools in the self-service that's intended for smaller startups, smaller companies, and um, as well as developers. So, and uh, we have a developer experience um, uh, team that's working to bring more developers on on the self-service platform. So those are main three, let's say, vectors. And, you know, we separate between B2B to C because platforms require much more technical, like CPASX that you just saw on the screen, Mm -hmm. while enterprises want to talk much more about business value that we can bring, right? It's more kind of what can you do with me for me? How can you improve my marketing and things like that? Indeed. Yeah. So such a variety of use cases and opportunities there. So describe the engineering team and, and the culture. You've been called an engineering powerhouse. I don't think that's an understatement uh, or is an understatement perhaps. So describe the team. Where are they? What are they doing? And what are the kind of skills uh, to, to deliver these APIs and platform services? Yeah. That, that's a great uh, question. So um, we say we're an engineering powerhouse because, I mean, simply, you know, our people like to build things. As, as you see from the platform, it's really ground up. And I think, you know, um, we have a global team. Uh, we have engineering centers at various locations, but the main hub is in the country from which a company originates from, uh, which is Croatia. So we have... Um, couple of engineering hubs there and one in uh, Bosnia. And then we have uh, various other locations um, in UK, um, United States, and so forth. Uh, uh, the culture is really kind of agile um, culture. Um, they are real kind of uh, full stack uh, software development uh, developers together co- combined with uh, design um, uh, people. And then, uh, you know, as we are building our products, especially in the engagement layer, we're now having cross-functional teams that include also commercial um, capabilities there to understand the customer, um, as I said already, design capabilities and then software capabilities. So, so really, and operating at a, at a kind of a high speed and rapid pace. I would say it's a very open culture. It's a very dynamic um, and, as I said, agile culture, uh, really uh, j- jiggling multiple priorities at a very rapid pace. People really like to go deep, understand things and and build, mm. right? They're real builders. But what I would say kind of recently, we were, we were also investing because of rise of AI is our uh, machine learning operations capabilities. So we want to enable more people to do machine learning. So not to have a only rely on, let's say, data scientists, but really also software engineers able uh, being able to apply this capability and as well, we've been working a lot on this kind of um, customer back because our strength used to be in the histor- historically, you know, coming from telcos, building APIs. Mm-hmm. We are really experts there. But now as we're moving more into kind of a tech, similar to a tech sp- space with this conversational future, we also need to have this sort of customer back capabilities to rapidly, you know, understand the business problem we are solving and then work back to create the solution. So those are kind of, let's say, two emerging capabilities, MLOps and this this co-creation in a tech space. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations. So you're known as a global powerhouse and with global reach, but a little bit less well-known, perhaps in the U.S. A, 
Um, so I think you're changing that. And also, you know, this marketplace is pretty dynamic and, and, and rapidly changing. Traditionally, you've had the, the Twilio, uh, uh, Twilio out there kind of with, with basic SMS, you know, kind of setting up the market. But I imagine you're looking to go well beyond the traditional CPAS set of services, right? I mean, so yeah. tell us about, you know, your, your plan for the next year or two. Yes. So, so, uh, and let me tell you a secret uh, of the U.S. So, when you start to packing different layers of um, communication, actually, you know, in the in the infrastructure layer and the platform layer, uh, in the SMS space, we're probably the biggest uh, player hmm. in, in the in the U.S. Um, also, okay. due to acquisition, we are one of the biggest, if not the biggest, also in voice to acquisition of peerless network from Chicago. Now, hmm. having said what I said. Our go-to-market in U.S. was largely relying on partners. Some of these partners are also in the same industry that where we are. So they built solution on top of our infrastructure. And we were very focused on B2B2C platforms. So we are partnering with some of the biggest companies in the world. Some of the logos are on our um, website, as well as biggest MarTech, some of the big MarTech platforms in the yeah. United States. That's why, you know, our brand recognition is very niche. So people in that sort of industry know who we are but when you move away from it you're absolutely right we're not that known and we didn't invest a lot in marketing i think now um let's say with the capabilities that we have but also respecting the partner network that we have in us like in mar marketing and so forth i think we are finding a good um area to add value for b2c companies in the us mm -hmm. uh, especially as us is also at an interesting crossroads um, you know, like rich communication channels, like conversational channels like WhatsApp are, have much higher penetration in other countries. Take Brazil or India. People mm -hmm. don't even almost use email anymore. U.S. is still very heavy on SMS, which is good. But actually, uh, with uh, Apple messages for business, with high penetration of iPhones and potential of telcos uh, and Google uh, launching um, RCS, we think then our software can come quite handy helping digital transformations like support, enabling support through chat, and especially also with Gen AI. And also we think that that would work well in conjunction with our partners, you know, because they usually have either MarTech platforms and so forth. So we can build these experiences and we even launched the product called experiences within different channels that would really sit nicely in the ecosystem with their platforms. So I think we will um, intend to do much more now into B2C segments in the U.S. using the conversational toolkit that we have. And that will probably also result in a higher brand recognition because we'll move away from a comfort zone, which is a niche that we are pretty strong into a broader area. Yeah, as, as those who spent many decades in the industry, it, it's always been ironic to me that the U.S. As, as a tech powerhouse has always been slow to adopt advanced messaging and and. Uh, communication services compared to the rest of the world. So uh, even when SMS was launched, you know, we were a, a slow adopter versus the rest of the world. So pr pretty ironic. Tell us about your personal journey with InfoBip and uh, your background and how, you know, how that journey has, uh, has been over the last many years. Yeah. So I, I'm a, I'm a technology aficionado. So um, 
I've um I've done a PhD in one in like natural science um and then um also masters in management actually of technology and wow. economics okay. at Swiss Federal Institute of Technology which you have a large audience even uh, even in the uh, United States oh, I mean yeah, that's kind of the, like for people the, who don't the, know the ATH yeah. ATH uh, yeah ATH there. I, I so spent yeah a of years and there, uh, so. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I, I kind of like, and then I had my own startup in a digital space with some friends. And then one of people found uh, one of our, my friends found a job in IBM and somehow the leadership kind of went different ways. And so he told me like, Hey, um, just go to the, you're, you're kind of perfect for a consulting firm. And we think McKinsey would like you. So I, I tried there and I joined McKinsey. So then I worked a lot in McKinsey, but always at this intercept between like industry vertical, I was doing a lot of work in, for example, healthcare and then tech. And uh, McKinsey was also evolving its own business model. So, you know, it was really at the cusp of that transition from more traditional strategy boutique, you know, that does slides to a real kind of a tech powerhouse. So in 2015, uh, uh, McKinsey acquired Quantum Black that brought AI capabilities and then we also, I was part of that to build a business building practice called Leap, where we were partnering with businesses to build, to build like large enterprises to build new businesses for them. And those were programs where, you know, you needed a tech talent, a business talent, and they would last for, for a couple of years. So I was pretty much engaged with that. And then I, I met the founders of Infobip and I felt in love with the story, but also the opportunities because we come from Europe and I think it's not for anyone benefit that Europe is falling behind on tech. Uh, if mm. you look at like uh, uh, last 30 years, there was no single company that was founded in Europe that entered the order of uh, most valuable 100 companies in the world that came from Europe. There were seven from US, take Google, take Meta. Mm. There were four, four from China, but zero from Europe. And so, you know, I love the founders. I love the story. I love the technology and the opportunities that it gives. But it's also a mission. Hey, can we can we work together to to raise one, you know, a notable tech company that comes from Europe but serves whole world? So that's another mission. So as I felt in love with that mission, I I decided to join this uh, lovely story and then continue driving impact for um, various businesses, or like I did in the past of uh, my career in McKinsey. I just want to say one last thing. I I actually uh, worked with a group of people. At that time, Nico Henke to found something we call McKinsey Technology Council, which people from outside of McKinsey, eminent technologists, and you know we're they're publishing yearly, um, you know McKinsey Tech Trend Index, and um, it's interesting. So um, as I said, I was really kind of always kind of trying to see the tech trends in the future and then um, derive implications for business. So that's that's where my passion lies in. Fantastic story. Um, so speaking of which, uh, Croatia is, of course, the headquarters, and many Americans just know of Croatia as a fabulously beautiful vacation destination and the background scenes for Game of Thrones, many of them. But but actually, you have a very sophisticated and educated population. Has that been part of your secret to success as well? Yes, I have to comment at our engineers, um, a, uh, a, we have a lot of, um, I think officially we are HQ'd in London, uh, just to be clear, but actually ah, the, the proper the, the proper campuses, we have two large campuses are in Croatia 
and large workforce. And yes, the part of the success, the whole region, uh, I am a Serbian myself, the whole region is actually very strong in, in coming from telco, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So at the beginning and even later, we were able to recruit a lot of tech talent in Croatia, especially, um, uh, you know, there's strong tradition of IT and so forth. Um, and that, that was kind of, people are really working for a company with their full heart. They're there mm-hmm. really because they're in love in what they do. And mm-hmm. our best programmers, you know, they go on holidays and they're solving, best engineers, they're solving like <laughs> business problems. Just, it shows, not that we appreciate that people should also kind of have work-life balance, but but it just shows you how passionate they are. And I think that was lar- large part of our success, yes. Yeah, it's kind of like me with social media. I, I still am tweeting and posting <laughs> on vacation, maybe slightly different topics. But also you have a big event coming up in Croatia uh, in September, which I can't believe is next month. Time is just flying by. Tell us about that and and what people can expect who might be interested to attend. Yeah, so we have actually two events. And one is, uh, uh, I will take, yeah. So in September, we will host um, Shift Conference in Zadar. It's a beautiful place on the coast. And Shift is actually our event uh, that even our brand, we have also Shift Magazine. We did Shift in Miami, is is our kind of conference for developers and uh, mm. startups. And, you know, there uh, we really are not talking about Infobit products. It's not commercial in many ways. It's really eminent um, tech leaders around the world or from developer community, you know, presenting their story. Um, and in uh, Miami, we had a, 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 a person who designed a, a, a game called Doom and many other, oh, of course. you know, oh, that joined. Course. So yeah. it's like like that. that's kind of the thing that's happening in events. And some of our partners are talking about innovation. And that's what's going to happen in, in, in Shift. Um, that's really for developers, startups, uh, tech, uh, pas- uh, people who are passionate about technology. And then we have more focused event together with Vaz for telcos that's going to happen in Shibenik in October. It's a largest, one of the largest like telco events related to messaging and so forth. We are also hosts uh, this year. So um, two big um, things coming. <laughs> and there will be more topics about network, network APIs, messaging, and so forth. That, that's kind of... Wow. Uh, Great topics, great, great people, great location. Congratulations. That sounds so fun. Well, look, I I know it's getting late there in India at the moment. Thank you so much for sharing your vision and all the insights. And uh, thanks so much for watching, folks. Feel free to reach out to InfoBip with any questions or even Ivan directly on social media. Happy to entertain. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for hosting.